Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And boom, right off the bat, got that going. Been a couple yeah, months since back. I've been on the I'm podcast. So glad you're so. Back, I was impressed. Samuel. I wondered if he was reading the script. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I do have it taped to my monitor. But anyway, to, this week we are uh, uh, off the beaten path with Rick Butts. Thanks so much, Rick, for joining us today. Uh, it's great to be with you and Julie. Yeah, and in a way, we're both guests because I'm still getting used to, you know, <laughs> where the chairs are, you know, how the microphone is placed. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but it's so great to have you on the show. You know, something that I was uh, mentioning earlier is I'm surprised you haven't been on earlier just with how p- impactful you've been, you know, to our family. So excited to have you on. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here with uh, with both of you and uh, to share some thoughts that uh, you're going to guide me in, Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to okay. help you. We're not leaving well, hey, you out there. Buckle but up, I keep your hands and feet in the, you, uh, you know, podcast. And <laughs> Well, I definitely want to just say something here before we get started, like to our audience, like Rick has been a huge influence in my life and I am so thankful. Um, he's been a mentor to me and has really guided me in, in this career path, honestly, of why I'm doing the work that I am. And when I say that, I mean the field of mental health to help others, but also even deeper than that. And I think this is what Rick is going to help us talk about today is just the idea of the work I'm doing personally in my own healing and growth. And I would say Rick is at the top of the list of people that have influenced my life in that way. So I am so glad that he's here today. Um, Our listeners who may have listened previously to an episode we had way back um, with Jan Bergstrom, Um, Rick and Jan are partners in um, business of Healing Our Core Issues Institute, and so there's some familiarity there, and he studied, okay, Samuel, you're going to appreciate this, Rick studied under PM Melody like directly. Wow. So, so Rick is kind of like the, my bacon for number me. for Pia Melody is now what one or two. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, this is the family of, okay. Yeah. Rick learned from Pia. I've learned from Rick. Samuel's learned from Julie. Like here's the whole family tree right here. So have yeah, at that's it. Pretty cool. I think yeah. It's pretty um, cool. Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, um, that makes Pia Melody Yoda. You know, Rick is the flag. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a client say this week, a, a therapist that I do some consultation with, that Pia's the grandma, uh, Jan and I are the parents, and, and Julie then is, you know, the next generation down That's at great. Samuel. There you go. There we go. Yeah. One day, if I ever become a therapist, I'll, I'll right. put on the... Uh, Remember when, <laughs> right? Gen. Like, keep right. this in your... This is Archive. the memories my body holds of other generations coming through with health as opposed to the generations only passing down dysfunction and trauma. Like, we get sure. to be part of the healing. So, Rick, I would be interested if you if you want to share just like historically why does mental health matter to you like what what has been a 
a key part of your own story that has been influential? Well, um, thank you for your kind words earlier, Julie. And yes, I um, have had the privilege of being mentored by Pia Melody, working uh, with her since 2007 until her retirement uh, a couple of years ago. And out of that, and I'll go back to answer your question, Julie, um, uh, Samuel, this month is the 10-year anniversary of Healing Our Core Issues Institute. Oh, wow, congratulations. That. What great awesome. timing to have you. Seriously. It is that uh, Jan and I worked with uh, Pia's Blessing to create an institute to continue on her work, which is what I'm going to just share with your listeners for a few minutes. And it, and it ties in with my interest in our story, each individual. I know that's part of what you and Julie talk about, but the way that I conceptualize about this is that uh, as we understand and have interest in our historical selves, uh, Pia called it the uh, inner children, the, the inner child. And um, IFS talks about it, about parts and ego states. So different people have a different name. But for me, it's understanding the impact of growing up in my family and being able to, as an adult, step back and get my story straight, which means that um, I want to understand the ebb and the flow of my life. And I, and I will share just a little bit of my story, which is, that, that I've talked about and done a lot of work myself. And I grew up actually outside of Columbus, Samuel. And, oh, uh, cool. So have a lot of familiarity um, with where you and Julie are at. And He's a Buckeye. So I am nice. a Buckeye. Go, go Bucks. Season starts <laughs> tomorrow. Exactly. And notice the shirt. Now our, our listeners don't know that you're wearing a Buckeye shirt but i'm sure that's intentional with the start of the season we're gonna lose all of our listeners in michigan <laughs> and th- it's been building warning warning <laughs> well i had the good sense samuel not to wear my Bengals shirt that's Sunday. there we go okay i appreciate that because this episode would have been a lot shorter <laughs> your mother we would have, have to edit off. that out <laughs> yeah I, I did think about that earlier and I was, I was laughing knowing your mom and i have some fun with her steelers are you a steelers fan by uh by blood at this point yeah <laughs> Uh, of course, you know, um, I have a lot of fond memories of us sitting by the fireplace watching a TV game, doing all the rituals, you know, to make sure that the Steelers would win that game. But, I mean, they won three Super Bowls with that, uh, those combinations, so I'd say it worked pretty well. It's the Richards family. I know it. Yeah, I know. Like, and yeah. since then, since we've moved, I don't know if we've gotten one. I know. We have to go back in that same house to get more of the same wins and no all the things the that cost. we would do. and. I'm, Golly. Okay. We, I didn't mean to get everyone time off track. With all that, but I, I, uh, uh, just again, being a, uh, a boy who grew up in the country, uh, grew up in a family of my, uh, dad was a farmer and, uh, my mom, uh, was a stay at home mom. And I bet I'd never told you this, Julie, her part-time job is she was a rural postman. So she had oh. a part-time job driving and delivering mail. I have one younger sister. And um, so I, I think of my life, Samuel, as um, is in three parts. It's zero to 10. 
And when I was 10 years old, my dad at 37 years old, my mom being 32, died. And excuse me. <clears throat> um, and so I think of my life as as pre and post that. And um, one of the mm. things that I look at with people is their their memories. Our earliest memories uh, have meaning for us. And then we in our family system, I think birth order is important. Like where as as people are listening to us, I would have them think about that, the structure of the system and that like were they the firstborn child, middle child, youngest in the family system divorce family system, death, as I just described, or um, just those things matter. And that's how I encourage people as they look at their story. So then it was a four-year period where it was my mom, my sister, and I, and then my mom married my stepdad. So I always say as I work with people is that I have an understanding of a uh, intact family, that kind of language of growing up in that type of family system, single mom, and then a blended family. Um, again, I have a stepbrother and a stepsister who were a part of our life, but not really. So I have a lot of interest and that's zero to 18. And in families and people's stories, uh, Julie and I were talking uh, before we started recording about authenticity. And um, in the Latin for authenticity it's the author and so i love that like the author of your story and it is so important and you talk about mental health is understanding that as i write my story am i being authentic am i really telling the truth when i say that you know like as i write as a, as i pen my story is this out of my healthy self that I know who I am, or is this out of an adapted part of me, the way that I think, and um, would love to know your thoughts on this, Julie, as well, because I have been a mentor to you, and you've gone through the Healing Our Core Issues Institute, but one of my passions, Samuel, is helping people understand, is this in my present reality, as I sit here today, recording this with the two of you, um, Am I in my genuine, authentic self telling my story? Yes, I am. What am I aware of as I share this story with you? Am I um, activated because I'm nervous because we're speaking in a coffee house? Or am I going into a performance space that I have a vision of a, a, a thousand people in front of the three of us talking? Because that's going to take me into another part of myself where I'm going to be more performance based. And so attunement to myself is part of my passion. So I just said mm -hmm. a lot, but one of my loves is being able to help people understand from a systematic way uh, all of their story. And we start with zero to 18, and we call that uh, the developmental storyline and the developmental trauma. Trauma in the Greek is wound. And so our parents in their imperfect uh, way parented us. And out of that, then again, all of this was an imprint, uh, an impact on me. In my adult self, health, authenticity is getting clarity about that and being attuned to myself. So again, I rambled on there a bit, but 
just wanted to give you kind of like that as a baseline. And I, I said, Julie, I'd love to know your thoughts because you have a lot of passion in this area. Um, it's something I, I mean, I, I did want to hop in because I wanted to clarify, like, I, I thought that was interesting, being authentic while you're writing your story. And um, I wonder just like, uh, well, what that might mean to me is almost taking the pause to be able to ask yourself, like, what am I feeling? What am I going through? Um, mm-hmm. Just to be able to almost self-reflect and stuff going, everything's fine. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then just taking the pause to actually talk. Or is it something like more about, you know, um, feeling a lot of things crashing down on you and just kind of just blatantly, you know, saying the opposite or focusing only on the positive? I guess I just wanted to break down what Mm -hmm. does authenticity in writing your own story look like? That's that's a great question. You, Samuel, as I saw you look up as I said that, that's what I it's like I could see you were really thinking about that. And that's such a great question. So I don't know if that'll get cut out. If it doesn't, that's fine with me uh, or does. There's my humanity uh, stumbling over my words. But you named it. And that's where I will say one of the other things that's emerged for me um, and really just even in a deeper way, the last few months, Samuel is mindfulness, like being in the present moment, really aware of what you just described. Is the world crashing around me? And I'm like, I'm good. Because a lot of people do that. They, and, and there are two ways I see that when I say that, like the world is crashing around a person and their adapted part in their story, it wasn't okay to say, the sky is falling. There is no way we're gonna say anything about what's really happening. And so that gets formed in me. And so I detach from the world is collapsing around me and I'm good. So it's like an unconscious part of me that is speaking. And and I really have no awareness. I think I'm good even though I could tell you that. So it's, it's that detachment from Mm. self, you know, Mm. and, and I think that's something really important for people to start to pay attention to. That's why I think mindfulness is so important is, is what is really happening. And, um, I can tell that you've been on this, uh, recording with your mom, because we talk about knowing the self is really just what you described is in the present moment. Mm. What are my thoughts? What are my authentic thoughts? What, what's really happening? And is it okay for me to express my thoughts? What are my emotions? What's, what's happening within me right now? I am really feeling fear because my world is collapsing. Or in this world collapsing, I have a excited energy because this, is a, this needed to happen. And even though it's rough, um, there is a, an anticipation for me. Also then, and this is a big one, Samuel, I'm talking to you because your mom and I do a lot of this together uh, in our friendship and, and we'll do this. Mm. What what sensations, and that's the work of Peter Levine and I have studied mm. three years. I'm an SEP, which means I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner. And it's really just body attunement. 
It's like, what is happening in my body? Again, am I connected to my body? Am I detached? And then the last thing that I try to pay attention to, to live out of this authentic self is to notice my behavior. Because a lot of times people can uh, be incongruent, fancy psychological term, for meaning that they are saying one thing and doing another. That That's mm -hmm. incongruence. And so to be the author of my life is to be able to say, this is what's happening. These are the thoughts that I have about what's happening. Here's the emotion within me. And here is how it's playing out in my life. Like I'll use myself as an example, is that one of the things, an adapted part of me after my dad died, that um, I continue to have to keep my eye on is I'm an emotional eater. And so food is comfort. And so if I am in my healthiest adult self and I'm stressed, I can think, okay, do I want to eat that? Like I'm conscious. Yes, I, I want to eat that, whatever that is. Or no, I think I'm eating in an unconscious emotional way. Mm. What's happening? So it's this ongoing process of attunement to myself. Is that helpful, Samuel? And then linking some of the terminology that Rick is using related to somatic experience and activation and noticing what body sensations are coming up where I feel activated. Some, some language uses like triggered or all of a sudden I'm swept into another part of myself, which may be a wounded child part, an adapted adolescent part. All of that is Pia's model. And so in the example that Rick gave about, am I talking in a coffee shop and we're relaxed or are there a thousand people listening to me? That might send us into different parts of ourselves where we feel very present in our functional adult or where we feel very vulnerable and exposed, mm -hmm. like, oh no, I'm on stage. What's happening to me right now? Or, or can I trust the, 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 I guess, relational context to hold me that I can be authentic. I can be here now. I can be honest to say, this is what's coming up for me. And I'm willing to share it because it's a, it's a context that has good, healthy boundaries in place to be able to hold it and hear it and um, honor what's coming up in each person as we have the conversation. Yeah, I'm, that definitely brings back some th uh, conversations that we've had in past episodes, you know, of how much of our life is just automatic and being mm -hmm. able to take that pause and kind of, you know, being self-reflective is really um, beneficial. I think that's good stuff, you know, being an authentic author. I like that phrase in terms of, you know, trying to actually figure out what's going on you know, fixing that incongruency so your thoughts and emotions match your actions. Um, I think that's good stuff. And all of it being connected and relevant with our histories mm -hmm. and getting our history straight. So I don't know if you want to say more about that, Rick, related to family of origin dynamics. Yeah, what's the impact of family of origin? Uh, you, you talked a little bit about like birth order and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the dynamic of the parents. But yeah, what, what are your more thoughts about that? Well, in a, a general sense, again, and one thing I'll say just to um, 
Julie, that was great. The way that you, and I noticed myself like as, as you were, were talking, I, like I was noticing my nervous system settling down. So that's that performance part of me and I can be a performer, uh, you know, so like that, that attunement. And as you were talking, I, I settled myself and I thought, yes, we're in a coffee shop. The three of us are talking about some things that um, I'm really passionate about and that I just I just noticed that. And so that's part of going back to your question, Samuel and Julie, about understanding the impact. So if you grew up in a family, I'll just I just do it anecdotally here. I shared a little bit of my story, but is that in a global sense, as people are listening to us, and this is what I encourage people to do in my work, is that you think of the family system that you grew up in, and there's no right or wrong. That's a part of this. It's not good or bad. We're not blaming parents. A lot of times when people hear what I'm saying here, I think, oh, there's that blaming parent. No. Parents out of their wounding parent to children. And then children, then, you know, so the responsibility, I'm talking about the adult uh, as it relates to mental health, wants to take responsibility for their life. They can hold their parents accountable, which is always tricky. It's the idea of acknowledging the truth of what happened and saying this had an impact. Now, most people, don't have a conversation with their parents about this. Sometimes they do. They're really healthy. Uh, it's one of the things I appreciate about the Richards family. I think you guys have modeled that. I think you've talked about it on this um, podcast. And and I mean that when I say that to both of you. I think your family has has uh, done this um, just in an in a inspiring way. That we get takes, the gold star sticker. You get a gold <laughs> sticker today. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Or uh, uh, part of my background is I was a college professor. So you get an A for the day. And if you're a performance-based nice. person, we're all about the A, right? Hey, as long as it's attendance-based, I'm here for it. <laughs> so, um, But the idea, the impact is, so if I grow up with an angry dad, if if my dad is just an angry guy, then... As I grow up in that family, as Julie said, I can adapt in a couple of different ways. And this is where everybody has to figure this out for themselves. I can be the kid who, whether I'm firstborn, middle child, or the baby, there is some link, which is interesting, with uh, roles in this regard. But I'll just say, as an individual, as the author of your life, I can be the kid who his anger, I think within myself, if I'm just a good boy, dad will be less angry. And so I take on this perfectionistic, be quiet, heroic kind of role. I could be a kid who just like wants to disappear. Dad's mad, I'm out of here. And I just uh, metaphorically disappear, I become lost. There are some kids in the family, and, and this is another whole talk in regard to, I, I think, our DNA and our temperament. I call it the trifecta, and then the system we live in all blends together. And that, that's mm. a whole fun talk, just talking about our genetics and, again, our temperament and, and the system. But that's why I call it the trifecta. Those three things come together. 
And I'm the kid that's like, oh, heck no. And I am going to push right up against my dad. And I don't care. Let the chips fall as they may. And again, depressed mom. Same thing. My mom suffers with depression. Her depression leads her to be quiet, withdrawn, on the couch a lot. I'm a good boy. I'm a good girl. Um, using the antiquated language. But the person I am. Let me just correct myself. And I look over there at my mom and I think, I want to be a helper. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to say, Mommy, are you okay? And I've known five-year-olds who are cooking dinner because Mm -hmm. mom's too depressed. She can't do it. So that gets formed in me. As Julie said, I adapt as being a helper. I, I just want to help. I might be the kid that that makes me so sad. And I just absorb mom's sadness and it shuts me down. I'm not going to go over there and cook. I'm not going to help mommy, but I am just going to take that into me. And then again, the other, and this is way more complicated than this. I'm just giving you the answer, short answer. This is the short answer, Samuel. I'm that kid that has that energy of what we call the scapegoat. And I'm like, mom, get up. What are you doing? You're the parent. And we could spend an hour, Julie, chatting about just that brief entry into it. Again, I'm just using a couple of examples. Um, We talk about all kinds of things. Again, as you asked me that question, Samuel, that gets formed in me, every one of us. So you growing up with Julie and Todd Richards, and I believe you're firstborn, aren't you? Yep. Firstborn child, family of four kids. So you have your own story. So as you would be thinking about this, listening to me or in the coffee shop, as we would continue on um, with our second cup, I would say, so, Samuel, think about that just from a broad global context. And you talk about, yeah, this is how I think about being firstborn. This is about how I think about this story in my life. And we would just look at it together. Julie and I have talked about that. You've heard my family. I have a sense of Julie's family. She grew up in a family of three girls. All kinds of energy there. So, Yeah, that's interesting. And I think even like if as a listener, just taking that self-reflection, like what, what do I take from this role or what do I take from this relative and how has that shaped, you know, who I am today or maybe what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but... That's and how I choose stuff. to respond, like I might respond with a shut down, go away, become small, or I might respond with a really reactive, you know, I'm angry and F you and I don't want this in my life or whatever, like in it, that whole continuum mm-hmm. and to be able to sit with, okay, so this is my history. This is my historical self. This is my family of origin. This is what it brought up in me and why I'm now using a template of how I see relationships, how I see the world is all knitted together. So if I can become more aware of that mm-hmm. and know what my defaults are, then I can have, you know, a greater presence in the world to say, okay, I can actually rewire this nervous system a bit so I don't have to be so reactive. I can be more present and keep leaning into one of the things I love about Pia's model is it's developmental. We can keep on growing. We can keep on 
changing and developing our whole life, you know, the, the brain keeps is malleable. It keeps growing and changing. And so we're not stuck in <laughs> these child parts. If we're willing to lean in and do the work, and that is what a lot of the family of origin work is about is like, I'm going to keep exploring what is coming up for me, what I'm noticing, how my defaults come to play and, um, and to keep growing into that functional adult. So it's fascinating work. It is. Yeah. It seems like this, uh, one parter needs a two parter with a second cup of coffee (laughs) (laughs) to be continued at some point. Yeah, uh, I am going to wrap us up here. I so appreciate you being on the show, Rick. Uh, Before I do, I will say we do have a tradition when we uh, end up, and that is um, a gratitude or an affirmation you might have had recently that um, you just want to take some time uh, to talk about. Uh, All of us will go through and and talk about a a gratitude affirmation or um, mantra. A mantra. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I did want to say thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you want to check out, uh, out all of our links, you can always go to linktree slash community roots. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash community roots. Um, you know, I've been noticing some reviews on iTunes and Spotify. So thanks to y'all who are doing that. Um, but if you want to join those, uh, uh, those ranks of folks who are leaving reviews, feel free to also go to, you know, iTunes or Spotify. Those are the big two. Uh, we definitely appreciate, you know, being able to help spread kind of mental health. Um, I wanted to thank uh, Julie for hosting um, and JHR um, counseling. Uh, Steve Dodge has helped with the theme song and Alexander Wells, who's going to visit Columbus this weekend. Um, thank him so for the uh, logo. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rick, are you good to go first? Do you have a affirmation or a, uh, a gratitude or a mantra that you want to kind of celebrate in our closing minutes? <clears throat> well, this is uh, it's actually on uh, my wall and it, it'll it'll wrap up what I've been talking about. And it's hope based, which is what you were saying, Julie, is it's like if we're willing to do the work and um it's a quote I heard that just really resonated with me. Uh, it is never too late to be what we might have been. Hmm. And the author of that is George Eliot, who hmm. was a female uh, Victorian author. And she could hmm. not get published as a uh, female author. So she changed her name. So if anybody, again, wants to look that up, uh, again, it's never too late to be what we might have been. I just love that. Embedded in that is hope and what we're talking about right now. No matter where I'm at, um, Mm. there's this idea of I can become more fully what I've been called to be. So that's definitely a mantra I say every day. That's awesome. That is uh, definitely impactful. I appreciate that. Um, Mom, do you have one? I can go. Yeah, I think I have such an enormous gratitude for this work that what we can pass down to the next generation is healing and is growth and and a, a continued willingness to show up and work on all those different adapted parts of us and imperfect parts of us and just to be a human on the planet that is leaning in. I'm really grateful for the work that 
that I've done and and hope to be passing down to Samuel and to his siblings and the next generation. And I'm grateful for those who are willing to do that too. You know, it, it takes courage to do that work. And so I have an enormous amount of respect and gratitude for anyone who is willing to lean in and explore some of this family of origin dynamic and how to be a healthy human and be more aware and be more present in the world. I have an enormous amount. Of like uh, I was just visiting family overseas, so I'm glad I can read everything again. <laughs> uh, uh, but I did want to say, like, uh, I was just visiting family overseas, so I'm glad I can read everything again. <laughs> <laughs> You're back to English. <laughs> uh, uh, but I did want to say it was uh, a pleasure meeting you, Rick. Uh, I know uh, you've been hugely impactful with, you know, mom and as an extension, my family. So it's been really great to hear your insight. You know, I'm looking forward to future conversations for sure. So, um, and it's also good to see where the focus is, see where the impact is, especially with mom's own practice now. But anyway, it was fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Thanks to our viewers for joining us as well. Um, I have, I hope you have a good one and I will talk to you soon. Bye.